did I tell you about Abby Lee Miller? No. So Abby Lee Miller is the dance instructor from Dance Moms. She's a ex-convict. Um, she pled guilty to bankruptcy fraud. I spent over $100 requesting a cameo intro for the episode. All right, so I made the request on March 16th, and okay. she sent this back on March 25th, just in the nick of time so that the request didn't expire. Okay. It's a it's a pitch black dark video. You cannot even see her. She intentionally has the lights turned off, and this is what she says. Hello, Tracy. This is Abby Lee Miller calling or, <laughs> with your cameo. This is not your cameo. This is just me sending you a message. And uh, I've just moved. The whole Wi-Fi cable situation has been horrific. And uh, I'm trying to get you to email me. I need another day to do this, and I will email it back to you, the uh, the video entry for your podcast. And I also need you to write out the phonetic sp- uh, pronunciation of Juzwiak. I don't know if it's Juzwiak or Juzwiak. All right. All right. Thank you so very much. I appreciate it. And uh, I'll get it to you uh, tomorrow night. Thank you very much. I don't really understand why she couldn't record it because she is here like you can see her but you can tell that the lights are out so she did in fact make a cameo except just didn't say what we wanted her to say and then asked us to do this like convoluted thing email her so we can get her to say the thing that we want her to say yeah what the fuck so you emailed her i emailed her that day yeah i said hi abby You sent me a cameo asking me to resend my request to you via email. So here it is. Hi, could you introduce our podcast this week? Something like, I'm Abby Lee Miller from Dance Moms. Welcome (laughs) to Pot Psychology with your hosts, Tracy Egan Morrissey and Rich Jeswiak. P.S. Did you see music? Thoughts on Maddie's performance? (laughs) (laughs) And phonetically, it is Jeswiak. Thank you. The next when day, you say phonetically, it is Jezuiak. How do you represent that phonetically? J U H Z dash W E E dash A C K. Yes. That's how I usually do it. <laughs> so then she writes me back a day later and says, I did this several hours after I sent you the email. It's finished. LOL. I'm from Pittsburgh. I get the <laughs> <laughs> I get the weak part. I was just wondering if it's Jews or Juz. I just kind of mashed them together. Break a leg, Abby Lee Miller. And then I said, LOL, thank you for wanting to confirm the pronunciation. That was so sweet of you. Can you send the new cameo? I don't think you attached it here. Thanks. And that was eight days ago. Oh. <laughs> so she didn't <laughs> Never send responded. the attachment. <laughs> no. So what do you think was going on in that? Like, I didn't ask cameo for my money back yet because I was, you know, giving her the benefit of the doubt, but I might have to go ask for it back. I don't know. I feel like this whole thing that you explained is a perfect intro from Abby Lee Miller. You know, she is she has been convicted of fraud and I do feel like she defrauded us. Are you going to ask for your money back? I kind of want the money. It was over $100. God, this is going to be like a fight with Abby Lee. <laughs> <laughs> bring it. I, I say bring it on. Actually, no, I don't really want that energy in my life. Yeah. Well, anyway, welcome to the show. <laughs>
Listen to her um, voice. Oh, well, yeah, that. What was that about? She didn't have throat cancer, right? <laughs> I don't know. I think she got very hoarse at some point. I, I... She's always screaming at people. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe she's just permanently hoarse now. No, I do think it's a health thing. In April 2018, she developed lymphoma, a form of cancer that made her unable to walk. She now uses a wheelchair to get around. Oh, there's been racism allegations? I didn't know that. On June 2nd, 2020, Miller posted a black square to Instagram on Blackout Tuesday. This caused Adriana Smith, the mother of Dance Moms season eight dancer Cameron, to share That's an right. Inst- oh, I remember this. Yeah, to share on Instagram that she and her daughter left the show because of their experience with Miller. A statement from her that sticks in my mind to this day during my time on Dance Moms is I know you grew up in the hood with only a box of eight crayons, but I grew up in the country club with a box of 64. Don't be stupid. Wow. Yeah. On June 3rd, 2020, another dance mom's mother, Camille Bridges, accused Miller of treating her daughter, Cameron, differently because of her race and that the environment was extremely hostile. She also told E! News via email that Miller tried to spin Cameron as being the poor one and there on a scholarship. She would say the most terrible things on camera. It was a traumatic experience that I wish on no one. Miller has since deleted her Black Lives Matter post. Okay. <laughs> she issued an apology to Cameron and Adriana and anyone else I've hurt, saying that oh, so she had a notes app apology. She was one. Okay. She was one of them. Right. I have to say, though, thinking about this stuff, I find it really disgusting that we're not having this conversation still at this pitch because the problem persists. Yeah. It's, I mean, really, just to like think about like a year ago and the way that everybody was like owning up to race and seemed to see the situation for what it is. And then there's just, a moment of clarity. And then it just dissipated and now it's back to kind of whatever. I think that people think could that get away with some- less. I think that there were some people who were really changed by it. Yeah. I mean, I would hope so. But also, it just seems kind of hypocritical that that moment came and passed when the systematic problems have not really changed much at all. And I'm sure. I'm not sure it's like totally passed. I think maybe it died down for a bit. Yeah. It got cold out. It was harder to protest. But people were protesting on the Brooklyn Bridge today. Okay. And it really did pave the way for like people to really take all of the Asian hate seriously. Yes, that's think? true. Sure. Well, I bet it'll come back all around on the anniversary of George Floyd's death. Yeah, the verdict think? as well. Oh yeah. Could you know? Well, I don't think that guy has. A Doesn't seem like he has a much chance, of a chance. Yeah. But still, the verdict is liable to make people feel things, mm-hmm. whichever way it goes. Yeah. So perhaps that will be another wave. I'm anyway. sure he'll be a symbol for hate for like hate groups, like right. wanting him to be like, like the way that that one teenager was that murdered those two people in the protest. Yeah. Dylan, What's his name? No, Kyle. No, Rittenhouse. Yeah. They're all named Dylan. I know. Kyle. I know. I know. <laughs> okay. All right. Sorry. It was announced on June 5th, 2020 lifetime decided to sever ties with Miller as a result of the allegations of the racist remarks she made. You know, that's like, they knew they yeah. absolutely like knew. Roseanne. Yeah. They absolutely knew they and they were actually more complicit than even just knowing they edited her. They gave her a better edit than what she deserved, which makes their public move cowardly. Yeah. Instead of owning up to it. Well, anyway, I didn't know all that. It just gives me the tinglys a little bit. Spingles. It's really weird that Rosie O'Donnell says Spingles throughout her book, Find Me which yeah. you read for our book club, we listened to. 
But Rosie O'Donnell talks about having spingles, spingles. Yeah. She gets spingles. Like and then, spine tingles. But she doesn't mention that it's spine tingles until about halfway through. So she's saying spingles, spingles, spingles. And you're like, I, you know, okay. She's just got like a word that sounds like I, real words. Oh, I always knew that it was going to be spine tingles. Did you know that? Because you already, I had never heard anybody say spingles no, before. No, but I, but I like. You could just tell. You just, could just like deduce. just like a concoction. Yeah, but not, okay. But like also, I don't know. I think on first reference, it's customary to. Sure, that's like on her, but I did get it. Because she was like talking about like that weird feeling. She claims to have diagnosed her niece with cystic fibrosis, her nephew with cystic fibrosis. When he was born. And then it turned out that he had it. Yeah. That's like a bold claim. That's I know. Fact checkable. I know. And she doesn't make a like. It's one thing if there's somebody like who makes like a million of those. That's kind of like her only prediction ever. Like you can, it kind of seems real, you know. I mean, and it's so specific. It's like the only one that she speaks of, like actually coming true in such a way. So, but also, I guess that just goes to show that life is random, and sometimes you make predictions because. At, there's some percentage a of broken time clock is wrong right twice a day. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> right twice a day. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I love that book. It's part memoir, part mystery. She gets talking to this, not even a fan, a person that the adoption agency is it adoption or is it for pregnant teens or everything? Kind of like a Planned Parenthood kind of thing. Deal? It's it's an adoption center or foundation that places kids i don't know if it exclusively placed them with gay couples but i think she started an adoption company that would make it easier for gay couples to adopt babies smart yeah like a and like cases are referred to them yes and or people call in from the show because she kept saying the hotline number on the show and this this woman referred herself Yes, or her daughter. She's referring her daughter, who was right. a fourteen-year-old who was raped by the minister, like a pastor yeah. at their church. Yeah, and he went to prison, and she's now like seven months pregnant, or something like that. Six S- months. Sons. Yeah, she's far enough along, and but she's gonna have the baby and adopt it. Oh, yeah. And only fourteen. And Rosie O'Donnell becomes obsessed with her. Yeah, she like <laughs> is like just just gets really invested. Yeah. in their story. I, I mean, I get it. I it's get kind it. of a cell phone. Yeah. Which is what's also interesting about it. I know. It. So the thing is, is that like, well, I don't want to spoil Let's yeah. not spoil it. Mm-mm. But Rosie like mentions in the book, like one of her like insights that were, was great is that she talks about how she loves helping people. She's like become, she became like kind of like driven by helping people or became like obsessed with it. Impulsive but, generosity is what yes. she just calls it she like recognized it that it was like a manifestation of her narcissism that she liked being the one that was like helping people she liked you know what it did for her which is like you know what if you're going to be a narcissist what a great way to be one and also that yeah. she was so self-aware Doing good for the world yeah. yeah she supposedly got a 3 million dollar advance for this book because it was like her book like this is going to be the Rosie O'Donnell yeah. book and then she turns in this, this like completely thing. bizarre thing, but that's like actually like artful. It's like a really good memoir it and a really, really cool is. way of explaining herself via a situation, but attaching a bunch of reasons for this, of like what led her to that situation in so many different ways. So you learn about her 
childhood and, and her mom who died and breaking into comedy so she tells a lot of her story just yeah. through this other narrative and obviously like it's not a a to b so do you want to talk about disney yeah so i went to disney world yeah i absolutely lo- what's your favorite restaurant in all of disney world including like epcot and everything yeah number one I'm having so many thoughts. <laughs> I can't get it together. I don't know. The the one that Katie and I liked best when we went was, what's that Epcot Canada one called? Le Grand Cellier? Le Cellier. Le Cellier okay. Steakhouse. Oh, you liked a steakhouse? What'd well, you get there? I mean, it's it's a French Canadian steakhouse and they have like plenty of like not, I had fish, you know, it's a okay. steakhouse. Okay. So it, like, you know, and ste- you can eat anything in a steakhouse really. <laughs> not anything but like a lot like uh, peter luger you can't uh, you can get like three things well okay so like it's not peter luger <laughs> <laughs> saint angel is that the yeah san, or, san, I, san, san angel it san wouldn't angel? be saint because yeah san san angel mexico that's the indoor mexico one I, that's yeah. like the classic one to me yeah you know uh, that we went there that's where i got drunk on the margaritas i i don't think the food is that amazing and do you know that like when we wrote about it and i said like i could get better food mexican food in williamsburg like on foot people were like oh, yeah right and i was like yeah like disney fans were like uh, i'm sure and it's like uh, yeah like i think i thought it still was really great i got enchiladas me too. They were i like awesome. it yeah i always get the enchiladas we also went to tepan ito which is the benihana ripoff the, the benihana ripoff in japan i mean i Epcot. love benihana so i thought it was better than benihana okay I, i'm i'll the accept food was that better. i'll accept that yeah and the marginally, drink, the marginally, drinks, right? The drinks were better too. Um, I don't know. There was like they you did thought this... it was decidedly better than Benihana. I did, yeah, I did. Interesting. We also we went to uh, Cinderella's Royal Table. Oh, right, which I haven't been to since I was a child. Actually, I've never it's really been. hard to get a reservation. So hard to get in there. <laughs> And I remember we tried to go. Yeah, and we, we like did. we kept trying. We kept going back well, up because they told us like there might be a cancellation. So like come back in like ten minutes and we'll know for sure. And it was two girls who like seemed cool. Yeah, like, and then we <laughs> went back up and they like didn't remember us at all. And yeah. we're just like no. What <laughs> 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 like, you said? It was really weird. They were like super dismissive. Whatever. Well, I so they, how was that? They shortened the time to like you can book. Was it 60 days out or 30 days out? Because it used to be like six months or a year you could book in advance. Yeah. And it's like impossible to get yeah, in there. It's just so wild. I woke up at six in the morning oh on the day that was going to be like whatever the amount was, 30 days or 60 days out. I think it was yeah. probably 60. Yeah. And I, I woke up early and I did it. I got on. Wow. And because my mom did it the day before and she didn't get oh it. Oh my God. Yeah. And then I, and then I got it. So... Um, I got it. <laughs> <laughs> so we went and I have to say it was like fantastic. Wow. It was well, fantastic. I guess that's why it's hard to get into. Yeah. It's so good. I mean, it's, it's really expensive. What did you have? Well, it's prefix. Okay. So you get an you appetizer and we went for lunch. It doesn't matter. I think it's kind of the same or whatever time. It's, it's kind of like getting like the best, like really top tier wedding dinner. You know, it's like yeah. you pick an appetizer, you pick an entree and you pick your dessert and right. it's like just but it, 
done really nice. Yeah. But like that kind of fare. What was the park attendance like? So it was at, you know, only at a certain capacity. But was it at that capacity? Oh, for sure. Because it was like spring break week. But the problem was that the lines were often still kind of kind of the same length right, of waiting. There's fewer people, but there's fewer rides available spots. things. And they had to really alter all of the lines because you could only be in the line like every other row. You know what I mean? Yeah. So then the lines got built out into the park. So you're kind it was kind of confusing. We waited online for the Aerosmith roller coaster for 30 minutes thinking it was Tower of Terror. Oh. <laughs> Did you go on the roller coaster? No, because Una freaked out. Oh, it's so great. Oh, oh, no, I've been on it before. It's only a minute long. I've been on it before, but there was no way Una was going to go on that. It's uh, She had a total meltdown on Tower of Terror. Oh, boy. Um, yeah, oh, she's young. Was, she is young. But they, here's another interesting thing. We had like the the bands, the armbands, which now they're phasing out, I guess. Okay. And, but they were, it was so convenient because like you open your door with it, you, you know pay for things with it you go in the parks and yeah. then when you go on the rides it like syncs like your your photo to your wristband so you can right. just look on the app at your photos like you don't have to do anything yeah so on both expedition everest and tower of terror una had total fucking freakouts right and like panic attacks almost like she was screaming she screamed as soon as they closed the elevator door <laughs> for <laughs> tower of terror she screams i don't want to die <laughs> Did everybody laugh? No, no one laughed. There was like two four-year-olds in the thing with us. <laughs> and then she was like, because like, nothing happens on that ride except for the going up and down. Right, but right. She was so freaked out, like going through the like hotel part because it is really creepy. They, yeah. they really decorate it great. Yeah. She was so freaked out by that. And then going into the cellar that she was like terrified by the time we went in. Like, sh- and I kept telling her, it's just going to be up and down like you do at the at the carnival. Anyway, on both. So both those rides, she had meltdowns. Her mask came off on both of them. I, I don't know if it's because she was like freaking out so much or it was just, you know, the force of the wind or whatever. And they didn't give us those photos. And I think it's because she didn't have a mask on. Oh, yeah. shit. I wow. think that they like those are those are contraband. Huh. Yeah. Which I'm uh, pissed about because that would have been such a good picture. Totally. <laughs> Una kept every time like we would go on a ride that was kind of scary. She would like yell about how she didn't want to die and blah, blah, blah. And I was like, Una, no one dies at, <laughs> at Disney, Disney World. Yeah. Like it just does not happen. Yeah. So then I looked up <laughs> people who die at Disney World. There have been some. They, there's a Wikipedia entry called List of Incidents at Walt Disney World. That sounds like a good page. <laughs> yeah, it's really good. The term incidents refers to major injuries, deaths, loss, or injury, or significant crimes. I'll tell you about a death that I... Okay. That's something. Okay. On February 11th, 2004, a 38-year-old employee dressed as Pluto, who had worked at the park for eight years, died at the Magic Kingdom when he was run over by the Beauty and the Beast float in the Share a Dream Come True Parade. Disney representatives commented that no incident of these circumstances had ever happened before to a cast member and that no guests had seen the incident. And I mean, did you only do one day in the Magic Kingdom? Yeah, we really needed to, actually, because yeah. we didn't get to, like, a whole world. Right. We didn't. I didn't get to go on the new Snow White ride. new Snow White ride, is such, I, so I waited, like, two hours for wow. it when I went by myself. And I could not believe at the end of it, because I was, like... I basically was able to go on every single ride that time by myself because I got there when it started and I just ran to the Little Wait, Mermaid. When did you go to? <laughs> when Katie and I went, we had an extra day 
and, and she didn't want to go. She was she was thinking about doing some Tower of Terror thing where she was going to ride it over and over again, but she didn't end up doing that because one was broken. Oh. But I was like, well, I I feel like so fucked up coming to Disney World and not going to the Magic Kingdom. So I'm just going to go to the Magic Kingdom and like write about being alone in the Magic Kingdom. <laughs> But, you know, I would, I like, I went on everything, including Winnie the Pooh. And, like, it's a grown adult man. And they're like, how many? Every single time, they're like, how many? And you're like, one. They're like, two? <laughs> no, one. There's, there, but there were, there were Disney freaks yeah. there. And yeah, there are yeah, people yeah. that do that there. Yeah, uh, totally. And I, I found it uh, to be a completely nice way to spend the day. The day? And, wow. Because, you know, you're, yeah, because you are just like looking at stuff, you know, like totally. you're looking around and yeah. just like, it is nice to like be in the dark. You know what I love that I realized that I love when I went back this time? I fucking love the smell when you walk in and you can smell the water of one of the water rides. Like one of like the like the boat rides yeah, or like it's a small world. Yeah, it's like a little bit smell, humid. Right. Like yeah. kind of <laughs> <laughs> like like the like a tinge of mold. Yeah, it's just like the the just smallest a little, bit, little but also like yeah, a suggestion bit of, of like mildewy. <laughs> <laughs> I love. I just. I love that. <laughs> and I keep telling people like I swear I'm not like a Disney freak. Right. Like I'm not an adult Disney person, but yeah. I guess I am like a little bit of an adult Disney. Just a Disney. little bit. It's a touch, but right. it's very specific to Disney World. I love right. that resort. I right. love going to a Disney property. Right. I would love to actually take a Disney cruise. What do you think about doing that? We should oh, probably do that. That'd be fun. Yeah. yeah. I've 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 been curious. You know what's so weird is how like Figment never took off. I know. Well, they he, never gave him a movie. Yeah, that's the thing. Although, you know, He's got a uh, song. The Haunted you know Mansion. The song? Did you go on Figment? Oh, yeah. We went on Figment. Yeah. Um, Uno was just like, well, <laughs> whatever. <laughs> I like the song, though. The, um, it's like, imagination. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Why didn't they ever do a movie with Figment? I don't know. They did like video. They did like math videos, I think, with Figment. Like Figment was supposed to be their Sesame Street. He was like. He had all of their Sesame Street on his back. And also, like, that ride is so weird because, like, it's about Imagination? Senses, but it's about senses, right? Yes. But they don't cover, like, two of the senses. <laughs> you know? It's like... They do noise. And they, they do... do s- they do smell because they, they smell. burn something. But I don't think they do sight per se. They don't. I don't think they do touch. They don't do touch. And uh, hearing, they do do. How many senses are there? Five, right? Oh. Yeah, because the sixth sense. (laughs) Seven deadly senses. (laughs) Yeah. All right. So the sixth sense is when you see dead people. Or just psychic. Spingles. Kind of intuition. What is the seventh sense? What would that be? I don't know. Like a third eye? Is that sight? No. How about... I think sixth sense would... Third eye would cover sixth sense. What is the seventh sense? Your emotions. Okay. Well, I have a question and then I have a different topic. Okay. What's your favorite Disney song? I really, really, really love the Christina Aguilera Mulan song. Really? Yes. (laughs) Reflection. Yeah. Who is that girl I see staring right back at me? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) What's your favorite? A Whole New World. Oh, okay. Jessica Simpson and Nick Lachey covered that. Yeah. Well, I like the Regina Bell and Peebo Bryson one. <laughs> it, you're right. It is good. He's like, don't you dare close your eyes. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, a lot of the embellishments are, you know, like I like the whole, I like everything about it. I like every little trill and run. It is really good. You're right. It's so good. 
It replaced I Will Always Love You at number one. Really? After I Will Always Love You, uh, after I Will Always Love You's marathon Original run, run. Yeah. It 13 was not, weeks. That's what replaced it. I didn't know that. Yeah. Just, I mean, it had, and it had also been like at number two forever. So it kind of like got there like by osmosis, basically. Penetrated. But, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I found out something interesting about Nation of Islam. Okay. So what do you know about Nation of Islam? Do you know Nation of Islam? I know, but I, I know what was in the Malcolm X movie. Yeah, which is why you would really. Malcolm X was like the spokesperson of yeah. Nation of Islam. But there's this insane, awesome Malcolm X biography called The Dead Are Arising by this journalist, Les Payne. Uh, but he died before it could be published. He like died in like 2018, I think. And it just came out last year. So it was like just about done. And he'd done years of research And so his daughter, from what I understand, I don't know if she had more of a hand in it, but I think in her introduction, she explained it this way. Tamara, or Tamara, Payne kind of put, finished it. And it's like a really good argument as to like why journalism is at least necessary, if not better than somebody telling their own story, because Malcolm X didn't include a lot of things in his autobiography. Mm -hmm. And one of them is this Klan meeting that the Nation of Islam had with, I'm sorry, a meeting with the Klan. The Nation of Islam and Klan met because they had mutual interests in a separatist state that was like the Venn diagram. No, I knew about that. Uh, well, I knew about, you know, who was really, who uh, did that first? I think it was Marcus Garvey. Marcus Garvey, Malcolm's parents were Mar- Mar- Marcus Garvey sort of disciples, basically. Okay. And so Malcolm was raised with a very clear cut, pride and understanding of his equality if yeah. not superiority like they never they lived in white parts of town they were just like fuck you we're doing this and like you know that's really credited with giving malcolm his spirit nation of islam you know it like springs up in america in the 20s and it's founded by this guy wallace farad eventually wallace farad muhammad okay who writes a lot of the, I guess you'd say doctrine. What is that? What is that? What the kind of story, the mythology of it, where like, you know, the white man is Satan, blue-eyed devil. That whole concept was yeah. Wallace Farad's, but he also had the whole mothership thing. What's that? There's a spaceship that orbits the Earth that's manned by black people, and there was like a guy. What was his name? Yakub. Yakub a black scientist who created white man in a laboratory 6,600 years ago. So I didn't know about that. Oh yeah. This is like their creation story. And this is starts getting told in the twenties. Okay. By this guy, Wallace Farad, who uh, basically mentors Elijah Muhammad. Elijah Muhammad takes over circa 35. Wallace Farad disappears. Why, why did they need the sci-fi aspect? Okay, well, it's like this This is what's awesome about the book is that like they go into kind of like the way that this provided a creation story for black people who were not willing to go by the white man's religion. Okay. Which had never been done really before on that sort of a scale. And like while it is obviously ridiculous, he makes the point that like a lot of cults <laughs> formed in the United States in the 20th century had pretty far out their ideas, you know? So it's like, it's like, it's ridiculous, but so is Mormonism. Yeah, I was just about to say Mormonism. And um, that's what it reminds me of. Yeah. (laughs) And also 
what's awesome is he makes this point too via this scholar. So wait, so the Nation of Islam was founded in America? Yeah. I didn't know that. I just it's, assumed it was like a, an offshoot of Muslim. Well, it, it is. I mean, it's based on, it's picked and it's like kind of like picked over Islam. Okay. It had, you know, and they don't eat pig and certain things like that. There's certain things that they've adopted, but there's a whole other aspect to it. This journalist, I.F. Stone, that said, while the black Muslim sect strikes some outsiders as fanciful and irrational on the surface, their impact on their supplicants and broader racial group has been noteworthy. Irrationality is a core ingredient of all religions of the world. Elijah Muhammad's weird Muslim doctrine with such touches as the mothership, racial group superiority, and the black genius named Yakub is not really any more absurd than the virgin birth or the sacrifice of Isaac by Abraham in the Bible. And with the black Muslims, Stone added, the rational absurdity does not detract from the psychic therapy designed to shake off the feeling of N-wordness in order to feel fully emancipated. So the emotional worth of this story, this creation myth, actually like made it relevant, you know? It was like an outlet for that sort of thing. Wallace Farad is by all, they say, reputable accounts, I'll play you a clip, a white man. that He was a con man. What? Yes, <laughs> a New Zealander uh, who, this isn't said in the book, but apparently- Does he say that he's black? Yeah. Farad Muhammad, the founder of the Nation of Islam, was indeed a white man. And he was not, as some said, an Arab, an ethnic group listed as white in U.S. census reports, with straight hair and dark eyes. The stark anti-white religious message repeatedly got key NOI leaders, including Farad Muhammad, hauled in by Detroit police for questioning. Occasionally, Farad would invite his prized minister, Elijah Kareem, into jail to witness his rough treatment at the hands of Detroit's dreaded turnkeys and interrogators. Farad was photographed and fingerprinted, and his criminal record was tracked back to the West Coast. According to the FBI, this Muslim messiah was a white confidence man by the name of Wallace Dodd, born in New Zealand or perhaps Hawaii, who had conned his way to the leadership of the Negro Nation of Islam cult. To back up its claims, the Bureau subsequently circulated Farrard Muhammad's rap sheet, complete with photograph and fingerprints. Despite J. Edgar Hoover's long-standing and devious police state tactics designed to discredit civil rights leaders and black groups, such as the Muslims, the fingerprints, photographs, and rap sheet all checked out. Other police records, including fingerprints, appear to confirm that the man with the aliases W.D. Farrard and Farrard Muhammad was, in fact, a white New Zealander with a criminal record, a man who had served time in San Quentin for selling narcotics. Farrard's familiarity with Japan and the Pacific Rim, as reported by Alston and others, matches up with the FBI's description of him as a man of the Pacific with roots also in Hawaii and the West Coast, a man of several aliases whose listed stateside name was Wallace Ford. Here's from his Wikipedia. They don't even talk about this in the book. So from 1930 to 1934, Farad's in Detroit. He came to homes of black families who had recently migrated to Detroit from the rural South. He began by selling silks door to door, telling his listeners that the silks came from their ancestral homeland. At his suggestion, he came back to teach the residents along with the guests. And he launches this religion. Oh, my God. And then disappears off the face of the earth <gasps> in 1934. Oh, my God. 
so does any do they have a guess as to like what happened? Maybe he went to Mexico. There's some like accounts of him having gone to Mexico after kind of giving Nation of Islam to Elijah Muhammad. Did Elijah Muhammad want him dead or something? Did I don't he know. Him off? They killed Malcolm X. Yeah. Did they find out he was white? I, 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 maybe. <laughs> wow. Nation of Islam, I believe, refutes all of this. Okay. But Nation of Islam is doing that. And no offense to any of our NOI listeners out there. <laughs> I'm sure you're legion. But, but like, women but let's just like be what are women's, here. What are women's role in that? I don't really know. But I'll tell you what Malcolm said. This is why I love Malcolm X because he always said amazing things and was like right about everything, basically. In ev- and died for. Uh, did you know that Malcolm X did not pay for his own Hajj, his own pilgrimage to Mecca? He had to ask his sister for that money because Malcolm X wasn't a millionaire. Malcolm X wasn't making money from what he was doing. Yeah. He just devoted his life. And it's really cool because the book breaks down like well, wow. she his wife was like absolutely like destitute when I know. When he died and then people like came came together and like helped her out. And then she like went to college and then like Yeah, Betty Shabazz. Yeah. Did you know about the grandkid and how he set the house on fire? Didn't he kill her? Uh, I think he killed her. Really? Yeah. All right, go sorry, go That's ahead. That's fine. <laughs> No, but a cool thing about the book is that Payne breaks down very simply the difference between Malcolm and Martin, which was that Martin Luther King was interested in interfacing with white people to to kind of change, you know, society, whereas Malcolm X was about the the betterment of the black person. Like it was about like we're not going to work from without, we're going to work from within. That's what mm-hmm. we that we have to grow strong with pride because we've been put down so much mm-hmm. and taught not to have it. I like his style. In every <laughs> Middle East or African country I visited, I noticed the country is as advanced as its women are, or as backward as the women. Thus, in my opinion, the Muslim religion leaders of today must evaluate and spell out with clarity the Muslim position on education in general and education for women in particular, and that a vast program must be launched to elevate the standard of education in the Muslim world. An old African proverb states, educate a man and you educate an individual, educate a woman and you educate an entire family. Okay. But like, what were women's role in Nation of Islam? Like, they can't, it's like sexist. I I would assume, you know, there's like a ton of men as the figureheads. And part of the reason why Malcolm fell out, in fact, the nail in the coffin. So the, the KKK thing, it did strike Malcolm that it was like supremely fucked up that NOI was willing to work with KKK. Yeah. They wouldn't work with Martin Luther King or the civil rights movement because the civil rights movement was for integration and they were for separatism, just like our own sort of thing. Mm-hmm. And so Malcolm was like, well, that's actually kind of fucked up. And then it turned out that Elijah Muhammad was having affairs with his secretaries who were young, mm-hmm. getting them pregnant, and then kicking them out of the religion for adultery. Oh my God. Disgusting. Yeah. yeah. So that's what the prophet is doing. That's a really, what's that book called? The Dead Are Arising. That sounds really good. Are you listening to it? Or are I you... listen to it. Oh, I want to listen to it. It's it great. sounds good. Yeah. I highly recommend it. It's highly recommended. <laughs> it's a great book. On June 1st, 1997, Betty Shabbat's 12-year-old grandson, Malcolm, set a fire in her apartment. She suffered burns over 80% of her body and remained in intensive care for three weeks. She underwent five skin replacement operations as doctors struggled to replace damaged skin and save her life. She died of her injuries on June 23rd, 1997. I didn't realize that. 
Yeah. Malcolm Shabazz was sentenced to 18 months in juvenile detention center for manslaughter and arson. What's he doing now? Um, he was the first male descendant of Malcolm X. So his daughter's son? Yes. Okay. You know what? Because he only a, had daughters, right? He only had daughters. Yeah. yeah. He did. He, he, like, had, he had like six of them. Yeah. Five or six. Yeah. The twins were born after he died. Yes. Isn't that, can you imagine? No. Like pregnant with twins. Twins. Seven. I think she was murdered. seven months pregnant. Yeah. I she was very pregnant with twins. So his daughter had this son, Malcolm, in 1984. His father was an Algerian Muslim that they met in Paris, but the guy had really no interaction with Malcolm, but it wasn't really in his life. He and his mom moved around a lot. He showed some evidence of disturbance as a child. As a three-year-old, he reportedly set fire to his shoes. He brought a knife to school in the third grade. About the same time, he suffered from delusions and was hospitalized for a short time. Then he moved with his mother to Minneapolis. She was drawn into a plot to assassinate Louis Farrakhan. Um, by his mother? An, yeah, by an FBI informant, Michael Fitzpatrick. Malcolm saw in Fitzpatrick the father figure he had never known calling him my dad. Ugh. In January 1995, she was charged with trying to hire an assassin to kill Farrakhan. She accepted a plea agreement. So Um, this is like a dynasty kind of thing. Yeah, it's like, I mean, it's gone gone on and like, where's this show, you know? So she was supposed to be there for two years and her son was staying with the grandmother uh, while she was in prison. So then he set the apartment on fire at a hearing experts described Malcolm as psychotic and schizophrenic. Oh, he was man. also dis- described as brilliant, but disturbed despite opposition from Shabazz's defense attorneys and the state prosecutors, the presiding family court judge did not close the case to the press citing his desire to preserve the integrity of public proceedings. 12 year old, right? A, a mentally ill 12 year old on yeah. a public trial. That's yeah. gross. Okay, so yeah, so he was sentenced to 18 months. He served the full 18 months. And then he was transferred to another treatment center. He died in Mexico City in 2013 at the age of 28. He was said to be on a tour to demand more rights for Mexican construction workers relocated to the USA. His body, which according to prosecutors had been badly beaten with a rod of some kind, was found in the street of Plaza Garibaldi, a busy busy tourist spot. What? That's like what a life crazy. All of this stuff happened to this whole family. And it's, I mean, it's drama. Totally drama. All right, let's go over to our bonus. Okay. What? Or nothing. Nothing. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, I hope you enjoyed this discussion of Disney and Nation of Islam. (laughs) Um, I want to talk about Kim Kardashian's sex tape. Okay. On the bonus. Great. I would love that topic. Because something that's interesting about it to me, I'll give you a little tease, is that we don't have a definitive narrative as to how it leaked. Mm-hmm. Pamela Anderson, Paris Hilton, we all know like what the story was. And, you know, at least there is a story. Yeah. They never even bothered to film the story. It's kind of like, eh, it just happened. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know? So I went through like the, all the press at the time and put together the quotes. So if you want to listen to our bonuses at patreon.com slash pot psychology, you know, I would also like to ask you to rate us and maybe review us Leave if you have the time. I would love that. A sentence or two is all it takes. A thought, you know, just leave a thought. <laughs> <laughs> what? Tell us what we made you think about. You know what I mean? Tell us a thought you had or tell us a thought you think now thinking about us. It doesn't have to be a big review. Just say a thought. 
So we're gonna do that, you do that, and we'll meet you in two and two. Hey. Bye. <laughs>